It's definitely a passion for Lincoln. Oftentimes you hear stories about how government restricts investment or government uh, hampers investment. The Lincoln Broadband model was specifically designed to encourage investment. You're listening to episode 285 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. We always like reporting on Lincoln, Nebraska. The community of about 280,000 people in the eastern side of the state started with a plan to install conduit to attract private providers. Over the past few years, their investment has attracted an ISP interested in providing fiber to the premise, begun a small cell project for better local mobile service, and increased competition. Nebraska is one of around 20 states with laws that usurp local telecommunications authority. Lincoln found a way to make local lemonade out of state lemons. When Christopher attended the Broadband Communities Economic Development Conference in Atlanta in November, he had the opportunity to talk with David Young. David's been on the show before and took some time to share an update on what's been going on with Lincoln, and there's a lot. Now here's Christopher with David Young from Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast, coming at you live from a hotel room overlooking the Atlanta runways, which you may hear from time to time. This is Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, once again with David Young, the Fiber Infrastructure and Right-of-Way Manager from Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's great to have you back. Uh, as you've said, there's been many people at this event. We're at Broadband Communities in Atlanta for the uh, the fall series of the economic development um, gathering. It's a, a wonderful event, and um, everyone who's here has listened to you, apparently, uh, on our podcast in the past. So that's been nice. <laughs> that or they're just being really nice. I don't know. <laughs> right. The fact that they're aware that you and I have done podcasts together, I'll take that. Yes. I think everybody who listens to your podcast is here. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> So let's just recap very briefly. What's interesting about Lincoln, what you've done there? You don't have to tell us everything, but for people who haven't gone back yet, but will go back upon listening to this show, um, what's the, the very quick thumbnail sketch of what you've done in Lincoln? So what Lincoln did was build a broadband infrastructure model that complies with existing restrictive state laws, um, but yet encouraged investment of over $200 million dollars in broadband in our community. We have competitive access, we have affordable access, um, we have net neutrality provisions, uh, and we have infrastructure all by creating a plan and partnering with the private sector to deliver that plan. And who are you partnering with? Oh, the list. Well, let's talk in particular the Fiber to the Home company. Fiber to the Home is Allo Communications. Allo, A-L-L-O? Yes, French for hello, I believe. Uh, not Google Allo, which is a different thing. Which, they stole it. Yes, that was very interesting to see uh, in the stadium this last weekend. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, and the University of Minnesota football games, we also have the Allo ads. Yes, and uh, you can't tell. Is, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I don't think Allo appreciates it. Allo Communications, at least. Um, but it is kind of interesting. Everybody thinks, did Google buy Allo Communications? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. No, name collisions are brutal. Yes. Um, now, the other piece of what you've done, you have this wonderful conduit, which I'm going to sideline. People can learn about sure, it sure, in sure. previous podcasts, as every attendee of this conference knows. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we did a, a separate discussion that was also talking about small cells. What have yes. you? What's, what's Lincoln doing on small cells? And this is one of my favorite things. What's your main motivation on small cells? We have really focused on fiber to the business and fiber to the home 
Fiber for mobile is the next uh, frontier for Lincoln. And so small cells, encouraging the investment in small cells uh, by creating a standard process and a standard pole and a standard path to yes for carriers has been uh, very exciting. Uh, we have, I think, 45 poles that were approved in this last group of permits that were submitted. And we have another 45, 50 poles that will be submitted even before the end of the year. Um, and our goal is to deploy 200 small cells in the next year and a half and up to 500 by 2020. And you've discussed uh, how you've already have a, a contract with Verizon. Um, you're not actually the one deploying. You're, you're enabling them and working with them to, to get it done. We, we do. So Verizon uh, contracts with the city. We also have a uh, contract with Sprint. And uh, before the city council in two weeks, we have a contract with uh, Extinet, which is the AT&T vendor. And so our goal is to have all three carriers uh, with contracts uh, before the end of 2017 and then next year, uh, if T-Mobile is listening, you should give me a call. <laughs> One of the things that I always enjoy about your discussion is that there is a focus about what the proper role of the city is. And many of us would like to see cities that are getting uh, an appropriate compensation that's commensurate with some of the value of using public rights of way for the pulling equipment. But the focus should be on enabling investment in the community. And that's something that, that you've kind of had your priorities lined up on. It's definitely a passion um, for Lincoln. Um, oftentimes you hear stories about how government restricts investment or government uh, hampers investment. Uh, the Lincoln broadband model was specifically designed to encourage investment. So fast turn times on permits, easy to understand agreements, fair compensation for both parties. Um, those are really at the core of what we do. It's a very customer service focused program. And the customers in this instance are the infrastructure uh, providers. So cable companies, uh, telephone companies, broadband companies, uh, cell phone companies. Uh, we want to do business with them. We want the investment in Lincoln. And we do that by uh, making ourselves fair, easy to understand, and making the process very clear. Um, and we've been rewarded with over $200 million in private investments in starting this program. So one of the things that you've also been rewarded with is a kind of seat at the table with state negotiations. Now, we haven't talked about it a lot on this show, but um, there are many discussions at the state level. Some of them don't have a whole lot of representation from the municipal side, but your experiences give you credibility and you're able to talk with some of these folks who um, on the industry side may be pushing too hard and making overly broad promises about what's going to happen if the state um, kind of um, steamrolls municipal networks to um, let, sit, let these big companies do whatever they want. So yes, last year we, I was involved in the uh, small cell bill that was in Nebraska and I think 30 other uh, state bills, uh, many of which failed, a few of which passed, and several of the ones that were passed are now being litigated. Uh, the challenge is there's always two sides to every story. Um, some of the hesitance um, by communities to allow this infrastructure to be built is understandable uh, based on past behavior of a few players in the industry. Um, fast forward 20 years, uh, municipalities haven't forgot that, and, and they're very challenged with some of these models. Uh, but the reality is we need to deploy the infrastructure, and uh, not every community is like Lincoln and uh, is welcoming people with open arms and standard agreements and have put the work in to build those models. Um, so the carriers are going to the state. Um, 
they went to the Fed in 2015 and were denied. So uh, now they're going to the states. Some states, uh, senators don't necessarily understand the technology, and some do. Um, but in Nebraska specifically, uh, the carriers came in and committed to uh, the, the mantra they were using was this going to be the answer for rural broadband. Um, and we asked for commitments, uh, specific monetary commitments, uh, timeline schedules for when they were going to deploy in rural broadband. Um, with the specificity in place, we would be happy to support a statewide agreement. Um, the carriers backed off and said, no, it really wasn't about rural broadband. Now it's about you know, paying too much. Like, well, we have, we have a market rate approach to how we created our leasing model. Here's the infrastructure, and you guys agreed to it. Um, okay, well, it's not about that then, and now it's about process. So I think it's a little disingenuous sometimes, and if we were all going to have a you know, open and honest conversation, yes, we need to deploy the infrastructure. Yes, we need to make the process fair. Yes, the compensation needs to be fair. Uh, if you're going to, as a carrier, if you're going to commit to a trillion dollars of, of infrastructure for rural America, great, let's talk about a public utility model where you know, attachments are $10. But if you're not going to do that, and I don't see anybody lining up to do that, then I think you should pay market rates. And I think that's fair. One of the things that, that you and I talked about, and I, I used in my presentation to the entire room, taking full credit myself, <laughs> of fine. course, for it. Um, <laughs> This this builds on uh, something that people should be aware of, which is there's a lot of talk about 5G as though it will be a big solution in rural areas. First of all, the 5G specification hasn't been settled. When Correct. it is, it is not widely believed to be particularly friendly to rural builds. It's more of an urban kind of technology. Right. Short range, high bandwidth. Yes. Right. And so there's, there's definitely um, a sense many of us have that industry is just telling a credulous group of legislators anything to get their way. Now, you suggested that, hey, if this is the claim that this is going to be great for rural America, how about they just report um, you know, some of their invest where their investments are so we can have a sense over multiple years, uh, where is this technology being deployed? How was that received? It's challenging. I mean, you, you don't want to paint your... Uh, the other side of the table as being uh, dishonest or, or, or having nefarious uh, goals in mind. Um, they're in business and they're trying to do business for themselves. I appreciate that. And I think that that's where uh, the voters expect that the city to come in and, and play fair. It should be The service should be for everybody. Um, uh, as you know, uh, the carriers push back on all requests for any reporting or, or any kind of mandated deployment schedule or uh, service for all. Uh, that's just not uh, a model they want to be in. It's interesting what's happening at the FCC right now, um, whether or not broadband will remain a uh, what's it, uh, Title II uh, infrastructure and whether that will be pushed on to cellular communications. And if it is, I think you have an interesting model there. But uh, right now, under this administration, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's switch gears a little bit to talk about US Ignite. What, ah. what's, what's going on with US Ignite? And for people who might not even be aware of, what is US Ignite? 
honestly, very exciting stuff right now. Uh, a lot of buzz in the municipal broadband community. Uh, US Ignite is a partnership between the National Science Foundation and Northwestern University. And what they are doing is creating programs to utilize next generation gigabit networks. Uh, US Ignite has several programs, smart gigabit communities, uh, power platform for advanced wireless research, um, and uh, gigabit applications, and they're creating coalitions of cities to work together on these problems. And in order to be in the game, you have to have a gigabit community. You have to have a fiber network. And uh, it's very exciting, some of the things they're working on. Even not being awarded grants, just the process of going through uh, creating your collaboration with US Ignite um, which anybody can find out more information at uh, us-ignite.org. Um, it really has caused our community, our chamber of commerce, our university, uh, our city, uh, our nonprofit organizations to come together and start looking at next generation. What are we doing to research how we're using these networks uh, and the economic value of the network to our community? Uh, specifically, the power project's amazing. Uh, even though Lincoln was not awarded uh, the power project, uh, we are moving forward with building a test bed uh, for wireless next next generation wireless infrastructure by partnering with five different industries. And it's amazing uh, just having the conversation. So US Ignite really, uh, I think, is doing very good work and raising the bar for communities who now have gigabit networks on how to use them and who to partner with. Do you feel like uh, you would be doing these sorts of interesting things if you weren't involved in some level with expanding infrastructure and improving infrastructure in the city? You know, it's tough. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I love the, the the industry that I work in. I don't know of a more exciting infrastructure to work with, really. So let me ask you, how do you think U.S. Ignite makes a difference in um, Lincoln in the coming years? I mean, you mentioned that there's like this partnership, more people working together. Like what's actually happening on the ground? In Lincoln, uh, U.S. Ignite is uh, working with us to connect our co-working space to our supercomputer at the university uh, with a 10 gig network and then taking that infrastructure and connecting it to Internet, too. So entrepreneurs in the co-working space in Lincoln will be able to access 30 city gigabit initiatives to work on those applications via 10 gig to 100 gig connection uh, at no cost. So that is exciting for us. It's one thing we had not thought of doing until talking with uh, U.S. Ignite on their SGC, Smart Gigabit Communities, uh, project. And we hope to have that live first quarter of 2018. Great. Well, thank you, David, for coming back on the show. And I look forward to having you again in 2018 with some exciting new project. Good to talk to you, Chris, as always. Thanks. That was Christopher with David Young from Lincoln, Nebraska. We've interviewed David before on the podcast, so be sure to check out other conversations about Lincoln's projects and stories we've written to learn more. We have transcripts from this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research by also subscribing to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. 
Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 285 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <laughs>